0: And turn to page 1242, 1242 in the pew racks in front of you or if you're seated in the front row underneath you. Um, Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20 is what we're going to be looking at today and I'll be referring to that. We're going to go through those two verses, verse by verse, here in just a few minutes as we talk about the church's family. As a matter of fact, the theme for this sermon today is I am part of a family and I pray that I hope you feel that way too about this church and about the people that you're connected to. There is a precious young man of God in our area around here in the Denver, Colorado area who is a pastor at a church. He's been there now for about 15 years. He was called to that church right out of the seminary. He is a talented, talented young man. As a matter of fact, he's one of the best speakers I've heard Younger young men speaking of the Word of God in my life. He is tremendous. He has gotten call after call after call to big churches and small churches all across the country. But he has remained in this church ministering to about 100, 150 people per Sunday. And I asked him a while back, why is it that you've stayed at that church so long? And you know what he said? Because this church, you fill in the blank, is my family. I've been here for 21 years now. It's gone just like that. And yeah, I haven't had a lot of calls, just a couple. But someday I'm going to retire. Many of you know that. I've told you that before. Not going to be here forever. And I will miss preaching, and I will miss teaching. I was telling somebody before the service today that I still get nervous preaching. Yes, I love what I do, but, man, I still get nervous. And I probably am not going to miss that when I retire. I probably am not going to miss some of the pressures that go along with ministry and leadership issues that you have in ministry. I probably won't miss that. I probably won't miss some of the criticism that you sometimes receive as a leader. Yeah, I probably won't miss that. But do you know what I will miss? I'll miss you. You see, when I retire, I can't stay here. That's not good for the guy that takes my place. And so I've grieved that thought that someday down the road, years down the road, whenever it is, maybe a year, maybe two, maybe three, maybe more, who knows, when the Lord says it's time, I'm going to have to leave you. And that's gonna stink. Do you know why? Because I see you as my extended family. Do you see the church and your membership here, Peace Lutheran Church, as family? There was a survey taken many years ago about why people stay and why people leave churches. And that's not determined oftentimes by the effectiveness of the preaching or how friendly the people are or how good the coffee is or how well-lit the sanctuary is. Those are factors but not integral factors as to why people stay at a church or leave a church. The number one factor as to why people stay in a church is this. They look at the people around them as, you say it, family. Family. So my question for you today is, do you look at the people around you today and say, this is my extended family. This is people I care for and know and love. And encourage, and am encouraged by. I see this church as family. If you do, we're going to reaffirm that attitude today through the power of the Word of God. If you don't see this church as family, we're going to be teaching you through the Word of God why you are part of the most important family in the world. And by the way, this is the only family that goes on to eternity. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be on separate blocks and we're not going to say there's a Smith household and there's the Almond household, there's the Lindeman household, there's the Jones household. We're all going to be one in Jesus Christ. How cool is that? And so this is the only family that goes on forever. Do we get that? Do we understand that? That we're knit together by the love of Christ, all united by him, all hailing Jesus as Lord and Savior, and someday we're going to be doing that forever in the kingdom of heaven with our extended family, all knit together by the love of Christ. How wonderful is that? But some of you may not feel that way. Here's why. To live above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. To live below as saints we know, now that's a different story, right? So today, we're going to be looking at, number one, why we call the church family, and why you are a part of that family, and how that came about, and why that came about. And it's powerful, found in the book of Ephesians. And we look at it, chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 19. Now, as I prepare you for this text, this was written by St. Paul to a congregation in Ephesus that consisted mainly of Gentile believers, people that weren't Jews. Now, there was a smattering of Jewish believers who were converted to Christianity as well in this congregation, probably about 150 strong is all in a town of 250,000 people there was no church building no edifice like this they met at homes and they needed encouragement and apparently in this congregation there was some division going on between the jews and gentiles believers there was some nitpicking some fault-finding and there was some division and so paul wanted to address that in this powerful letter that he wrote to this congregation in Ephesus. And so he says this in verse 19. Go ahead and look at it. So then you are no longer, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles alike. He says, you are no longer strangers. And the word strangers there means travelers. And then he uses the word, interestingly, aliens. What is an alien? It's not somebody from Mars. That's not what he's talking about here. What is an alien? You know what an alien is. It's someone who resides in a certain country that doesn't have citizenship. And so he's saying, as you're members of the kingdom of God, you are no longer just people who live inside the kingdom of God but don't have citizenship. He's saying both Jews and Gentiles alike, you're knit together by the love of Christ. You're all one family. Love it. Verse 19, so you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. That means you're all knit together by the love of Christ. You're all part of the same extended family. And when he says, with the saints, he's talking about anybody who believes in Christ, both Jews and Gentiles alike, you're all together, you all believe in Jesus. God declares you righteous for the sake of what Christ has done on the cross, and that makes you a saint. So he says, you're fellow citizens with everybody all across the globe who believes in Jesus Christ. You're a fellow citizen with the saints. And then he goes on and says, and members of the household of God. Love it. Have you ever gone on a walk and it's at night and you can look inside somebody's home and you can see them seated there at the table and they're having dessert or whatever it is and they look out the window and they see you looking into their house and what do they do? They draw the drapes, they shut the windows, they feel like you're intruding. You're kind of an outsider looking in. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the family of Christ. God opens the door. He parts the drapes. He comes out on the front porch and he says, hey, come on in. You're part of my family. You're part of the kingdom. You're knit together by the love of Christ. You're In, I want you to look at the family of Christ today as being part of the greatest family in the world. And God extends his invitation to you today. And he says, by virtue of what happened in your baptism, you're in. You're part of the family. You're a member of the kingdom. You're an inherited saint with all other believers. How awesome is that? Verse 20. And now we're built on the foundation of the apostles And prophets. What's he talking about? The prophets, obviously, he's talking about here are the Old Testament prophets who talked about the coming Christ, the Christ who was to come, who prophesied his life, his perfect life, who prophesied about his sacrificial death, and who prophesied about his resurrection. And then the apostles, Peter and Paul and John, reaffirmed what those Old Testament prophets talked about. They were saying, yes, he has come, he lived, and he died, and he rose again. For what purpose? That he might die for sin, and I've said it so many times, die for sin and die for sinners. Jesus Christ did not just die for all, he died for each, each one of you here today. The greatest force in the world is the power of sin that sent Jesus Christ to the cross But even a greater force is the love of God that is demonstrated through Jesus dying on the cross. And as a result of what Christ has done, through faith in what he's done, you're a member of the family of God that goes on into eternity. I think you're getting it today that I want you to look at each other today. And would you turn to one another right now and say, you're part of my family. Say that right now. And don't just say it to your immediate family. (laughs) Yeah. Turn around and say, you're part of my family. Turn around and say it. Yeah. Now I want you to say, and I'm glad you're here. Now I want you to say, this relationship goes into heaven. Say that to one another. Awesome. Awesome. Verse 20, go ahead and look at it. We're built on the foundation. I love it. That's why we sang the churches. one what? Foundation. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, many times we wonder, a cornerstone, why did he say that? Now, remember, there were two different entities inside this congregation in Ephesus. Remember? Both Jews and what? Gentiles. Okay? Brought together. What does a cornerstone do? It brings two different sides together. What does a cornerstone of Jesus Christ do in your life today? It brings all different sides, all different views, all different ideologies together through faith in Jesus Christ. And that makes you family. So... In summary of this little diatribe about Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. God is affirming to us that we're part of the family. We're members of the kingdom of God, knit together by the love of Christ, with God our Heavenly Father being our Father. This family goes on forever. It's built on the foundation, the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. We are members of a family. But you might be saying today, but Pastor Dave, I don't feel like these guys are family. When you asked me to say what you told me to say here five minutes ago, I had to force it. Because I really don't feel that way. I come here, I show up, I leave. I don't know folks very well. This church is not my family. So the big question we want to answer today is, so what? As Pastor Tim has said the last few Sundays, so what? What do we do with this? How does this group of folks today become your family? Where you really not only know it in your head, not only sense it in your heart, but it becomes a reality in your life. How does that happen? Well, here's how. Number one, and you, you knew I was going to talk about this, but it's important, if you want to see the church as family, that you come regularly, not just sporadically. I've shared this with you. The average church attendance person goes to church about once every three weeks. That's a regular attender. I encourage you to be better than that. Third commandment says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And the Sabbath comes every week. That you would make a commitment to one another and a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to be in God's house regularly. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says this, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves as some are in the, what, anybody know? The habit of doing. Just as staying away from church becomes a habit, so does coming to church become a habit, right? Look at this quote the church is not something you go to. It's a family you belong to. Is that not true? Can I get an amen? amen? And if indeed it is a family that you belong to, you're not just coming to hear a good or maybe not so good sermon. You're coming to hear the word of God. You're coming to receive the sacrament together. You're coming to perceive and recognize that you are part of the greatest family on the planet. The kingdom of God. The family of Jesus Christ. And if you love your family, and I pray you do, Satan will not get in the way on Sunday mornings. You're going to rise up like an eagle and say, today is the day the Lord has made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it, and let me go to the house of the Lord, rejoicing in his promises, celebrating in his victory, being knit together with my family members by the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen so how does peace lutheran church start to feel more like a family not only come regularly but connect acts chapter 2 verse 42 those people were so on fire for the lord jesus christ they celebrated the victory that they had in christ they got together as often as they could and when they got together acts chapter 2 verse 42 says they met together consistently for fellowship for the breaking of bread for the teaching of doctrine, and for prayer. Churches scattered all around the Mediterranean Sea did that very thing. And so here's what I'd like you to do today. Many times after church, you look for faces that you know, people that you're comfortable with, and you talk to them. Can I encourage you not to do that the first five minutes after church today? Can you look at some face you don't recognize, someone you don't know, and get to know them and spend time getting to know what makes them tick? And yes, your other friends that you hang out with after church, they'll still be around after five minutes. But what that does is it helps us to see that the church is a family. So what do you do then? You go to a Bible class or you get in a life group. If you're not in a life group or you're not in a Bible class and you want to be in a life group, put here at the bottom of this today. I want to be in a life group. Get me connected. You bring your kids to church and Sunday school on a regular basis. You go to midweek if you feel so inclined. You come to Sunday school on a regular basis so that your kids can feel connected as well. You don't just sip coffee and leave this place. You get connected with other Christians in a small group, in a life group, or a Bible study. And we have a multitude of Bible studies here. How many of you have seen the show Cheers? Raise your hand, okay? Yeah, what do they say? Everybody wants to go to a place where they, what? Know your name, right? How can people get to know your name and know who you are and know what makes you tick and encourage you when you're hurting and pray with you when you're suffering unless you connect with other believers? Then the church just doesn't become a place you go to, it's a place that affirms and encourages who you are in Christ Jesus. The church is filled with relationships. And, by the way, is the church, true or false question, is the church a rest home for saints? The answer is no. Is it a hospital for sinners? Yep. Do you know what porcupines, I've used this illustration before, porcupines in northern Minnesota do when it's cold? You know what they do? You guys ought to know this. Isn't that right? You're from Minnesota. What what do porcupines do in winter? They huddle together. They want to get warm. But what do they do when they do that? They hurt one another. Have you ever noticed that this church is not perfect? That people will fail and frustrate and irritate you? But because your family, do you walk away from your, your nuclear family when people let you down? No. Why? Because you're bound by blood. Or the declaration that they're a part of your family. You stay with it. People are going to let you down here. I'm going to let you down here. Pastor Tim is going to let you down here. But here's the deal. We're part of a family. And we don't walk away from our family. We love each other. And we care for one another. And like it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, we bear one another's burdens. And what that means is you've got to take time To connect with other believers. Yeah. So that's a challenge. Come regularly. Get connected. And if you're not connected, take that to the Lord in prayer today and say, I want to get to know people around me that are members of this church so much better because I'm going to be spending the rest of eternity with them. Yeah. And what makes this family? Christ. What did we get from Ephesians chapter 2? We're members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the prophets and apostles, knit together by the love of Christ, all extended family members headed to heaven. All By the way, I love this analogy. I don't think I've shared it before with you, but I love it. Oftentimes in churches, you see the symbolism of a boat. Why is the church oftentimes symbolized by a boat? Because a boat has all its residents on it heading to a distant shore, and the boat gets you there. The boat is the church. We're all in the boat. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't rock it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, get along. You do, you do. I'm not saying we don't. But, you know, when the crew is together on the boat, sometimes they step on each other's toes, they let each other down, but they're headed to a distant distant shore and they stay on the boat. My brother Al passed away in 2011 and I've shared this story with you too. But I'm going to finish it today. He was an introvert to the max. He did not like people for whatever reason. And so, but he was a believer. He was a pastor's kid. He knew going to church was the right thing. And so what he would do is he'd get to church about five minutes after it started. I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes when I say that, okay? But he'd get to church about five minutes after it started with his family. He would sit in the back with his family. Five minutes, and he always had it timed out, five minutes before the service was over, he would check out. He'd go out in his car and sit in his car until his wife and kids came out 20 minutes later. He felt no connection to his family members at that local congregation. And his wife pleaded with him, get connected. And finally in their life group, they started a life group. His wife led it because she was the spiritual leader of their family at that time. And eight or ten believers in Christ got together in their home every week. My brother initially hated it. He couldn't wait the first six months when that day was through. But do you know what happened? People loved on him and cared for him and prayed over him. And when he was struggling with his job, they laid hands on him and said, restore his job. Bring him joy. I wanna tell you those people loved him and cared for him. It was the church in action. And then he got diagnosed with a thing called glioblastoma, which is what they call a widow killer, 100% fatal. And sure enough, after being diagnosed, four months later, the Lord called him home. Listen to this. His wife, everybody thought she's going to just sell their place and move closer to her kids. She didn't for a year and a half. Do you know Why? She saw those folks in her life group. As you say it, it starts with the letter F, family. You're part of a family. I pray that you, if you're not connected here at Peace, get connected. It's a great place. There's great people here. Pastor Tim and I know just about all of you fairly well after so many years. Don't be an isolated person. Get connected. This is Rally Sunday. And we rally around the the prophetic word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we rally around one another knowing indeed that the church is family. Both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen. Amen.